Warning. The Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that is not suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. As well, there is the possibility for spoilers for an anime which could occur, so please be cautious if there's a series you have yet to finish. And finally, we of the Dub Talk podcast would like to thank the Western Association of Integrated Facilities Universities for providing the funding for us to perform these case studies. Thanks to you, we're able to examine in detail a cross-section of demi-human populations, can classify their taxonomies, and now uncover their newly emerging ethnographies. We couldn't do it without the constant love of support of Waifu. Now please, make like a doulaha, keep your heads on straight, and enjoy the show. Greetings, fellow researchers, scientists, and other well-informed minds of the scientific community. I come before you all today to enlighten you all with my brand new findings, the likes of which may have a very notable shift on the very landscape of society itself. What was once only thought to be myth and fantasy, commonly passed from bygone folk legend or circulated through the World Wide Web, has proven itself to be more than just the stories that seemingly inspired. Monster girls are real. While still a minority within our own society, they live among us not as separate species, but rather because of a genetic mutation. Therefore, to classify them as a separate species, be both. Uh, therefore, to classify them as a separate species, both scientifically incorrect and morally abject. They live their own lives, they have their own hobbies, and they have their own dreams and ambitions like you and I, but are born with their own genetic quirks. Several personal accounts of these monster girls have been compiled and archived in a series of Japanese animation simply titled Interviews with Monster Girls. <clears throat> to join me in presenting my findings are three fellow scientists of mine with whom I hold in high regard. First off, both a renowned historian of pirate culture and a notable kinematic fit yeah, and a notable kinematic physicist of both the fast and the furious variety, Dr. Zenith Rule. Dr. Zenith is also working with me on a master thesis of the concepts of hope and despair. Thank you for joining us tonight. Yo, it's all about that hope. Hope. Hope, hope indeed. Also joining me today, a Canadian librarian who works at, in informatic, informatic sciences, Dr. Sneebs. It is a pleasure to make your acquaintance tonight, everyone. I do hope, as chief of the ethicists, I can overcome the, any possible quirks we may have within the deliberations at hand. Excellent, excellent indeed. And finally, a scientist who has aided me in research papers and articles on genetic mutations and heroism. A strong speaker and supporter of the arts who studied in the fields of Oneirology with her furry lab assistant, Chinya, at her side, Dr. Megan. Sup, bitches. By the way, I want you fuckers to know that I, I looked up those scientific terms because you're like, hey, what do you want to study? I want to study Fast and Furious. I looked up kinetic physics for Geneticist. you. Very good. I, I'm well, actually you know, kind of impressed. 
I, I think Oneirology Paul, uh, is the study of sleeves, by the way. You're damn! Like, I'm actually impressed. I, I, I did my I think research tonight, people. Vin Diesel would be very proud mm. that he would. I'm as the Captain Smarty Pants, I must advise you it's pronounced Oneirology, but Well actually Exactly. I'm not that Thank much of a you, dick. Sir. I just play one when I've been drinking, and I'm sober right now, and a rare treat for all you good boys and girls out there. We all putting on our smarty pants tonight, so this is going to be fun. Oh, Anyways, boy. in case you couldn't tell from our introduction there earlier, we will be covering the Winter 27 broadcast dub of the anime interview with Monster Girls. Anime Wait, by Winter A1. 27? Are we bad? Like... Holy shit, for the year 27, 2017. I, I mean, damn, I Jesus was running some crazy tech. We and rallying on some crazy tech indeed, that's for sure, that's for sure. I'm, I'm kind of amazed that this one got a broadcast up because this was supposedly Aniplex and A1 Pictures are on board this one. So the fact that I saw Aniplex producing it, I'm like, oh, this is going to go to Aniplex and be like $80 for every couple of episodes. But nope. This one got over to Crunchyroll and Funimation, so I'm pretty sure that's Miles exciting. just bent over somebody and said, "I am, look at me, I am the captain now." I must <laughs> say, I I was expecting to have to strangle someone for making me watch this because the last few times something with this kind of title popped up, it didn't turn out well. But I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, last time somebody told me to watch a Monster Girl show, I watched a man jack off a snake woman. I you think that's yeah. definitely like me. Thing. Yeah, what do you got against jacking off snake women? It's a part of engaging our communities and helping them become a more dynamic and fully integrated sex-positive interspecies commonality. Look, just because I'm from Florida doesn't mean you can just jack them off in public. And besides, you know snake, snakes lead to snake clowns, and snake clowns are my worst fear, you know? Okay, okay, we are definitely going very off track. This is a conversation <laughs> already. So, to simply put, let me say that Interviews with Monster Girls is about a professor at a high school who <sighs> is very curious about the niche culture of society about monster dem people called demi-humans. Or demi-humans, as they or like to demis, be called. as they refer to be called in the modern era, which is basically people who are born with genetic mutations like they were like X-Men or even My Hero Academia, as an example, where they are born to regular families but inherit traits that are similar to... to... Far, to mythological creatures such as vampires, succubi, uh, doula hands, etc. And this man is very curious to understand how they work in the modern day society and wants to understand them and the people themselves better. And this is a teacher's personal recounts with these students and one teacher, specifically. Hmm. I, what do you think, before we start, what do you think of the show as a, as a whole so far? We all liked it, it seems. I I'm, I have was... a couple of little problems um, that are there. I have some. But honestly, in a season that is a bit on the weak side, 
it does stand out as being rather enjoyable for what it is, and it's a really cute slice of life show. Handshakers, it is not. It kind <laughs> of reminds me a little bit of Shonen Maid. Um, not as hmm. much of the heart, but it definitely has a lot of that, that humor down, and... Um, like I said, this is a pleasant surprise. This is something that I did not expect to like at all. But for something that is kind of a harem, but not really, it it does a good job of, of creating this world where these characters are believable and relatable and intellectual at, at many points. So I, I was I was rather surprised about that. I have some agreements and disagreements with your statements, but I believe these will definitely come up further throughout the night. Yes. I will say I did quite enjoy it, but we should get rolling. Sneefer mm-hmm. said his piece. I would I would add my thing that again, it is not it is not high art. It is as Megan described it, merely a slice of life show. But a slice of life show that was written with Enough intelligence towards uh, its subject matter, having a key thematic focus on how how people who are different, who engage in the world in different ways because of some inborn trait, deal with that difference in a way that is inclusive and surprisingly sensitive. While I could have done without some of the uh, some of the more fan service based car- comedy, at the same time, I appreciated that. For something lowbrow and has Monster Girls in the title, it was not a cheap cash-in riding on the My Daily Life with Monster Girl nonsense, and, as has been established before, was ultimately watchable and sweet and earnest, and did not fill my heart completely with broiling disgust. Hurrah! No, broiling disgust is what Handshakers is for. That is not that is for. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Let us begin with... The ADR and writers portion of our show. Fellas and madam. Fel- Madams. Fe- sorry. You, you can cut that part. You can cut Folks. that part out. In the nature of the inclusivity of the show. Folks. 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 <clears throat> sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> Alright, so let us move on to our ADR and writer portion of the show. Now, did any of you have predictions for this segment? I had three director predictions, each of them for different reasons, and I'll kind of justify each one. I did forget to do a writer, mostly because when I was doing my predictions, it was so close after the first episode, I honestly just totally forgot that was a person who existed on a show. I, I have lots of jokes. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time to watch this, so I didn't have time to form predictions, but I have jokes. So, you guys go, and then, uh, you know, then, then we'll, I'll jump in afterwards. But that would involve me actually having to make something sensible about this, and as okay. we know, I am never sensible. Logic, okay. what is that? Logic okay. is something for the mathematicians out there, dear madam. Anyway, carry on, please, dear host. Okay, so first things first, I had uh, two predictions for ADR director. My first prediction was Mr. Kyle Phillips. 
and I believe Kyle Phillips has worked in comedies such as Dagashikashi, which are very small, small, tight niche casts and very character based. And this was a very small cast with very character based humor, and I thought that would work. My second prediction was actually Mr. Jeremy Inman, and this was sort of a gamble pick, but mostly on the grounds that. He did re-life, and that was very much high school slice of life, and I was curious if he was going to do something similar. Um, I'm going to go backwards with mine. Um, the, the last person I had kind of as my person was Chris George, and that was because he did a high school comedy. Granted, it was a very shitty show in Netoje, hmm. um, if I'm correct. He did do Netoje, right? That he did do Netoje, okay. yes. But he also did a sweet, a more sweet show that had a lot of moving characters into it and a bit of fantasy with Snow White with the red hair. So I figured he would be a good fit, but he was my last choice. I figured he could mix that sweetness that interview with Mon- interviews with Monster Girl has with the high school comedy aspect. My second, uh, one of my three choices was also Jerry Jewell because he's done romantic stuff that is a bit strange. Well, not ro- this isn't really a romance. He's done a bit wacky, oddball things like First Love Monster. <laughs> the more I remember that show, the more I want to have an aneurysm. It's okay. Suppression is a good form of coping. But he's actually, also done really good. He's done off the wall comedies like Shimonetta. But he's also done really sweet and emotionally powerful shows like Orange, which he did last season. So I think transitioning to this where he could still deal with some stuff that was a little more thematically heavy at points, but still have a very kind of light comedy sense to it. My third my third person I'm saying, but my absolute first choice was Jad Sax was Jade Saxton. And that's because she's only directed one thing, and that was Token Rambu Hanamaru, which was this very oddball comedy that had so many characters to it that she was able to make distinct in their own voices, and she was able to wrangle up a crazy cast that was diverse and yet had a lot of familiar names. So she was my first choice because of that, and I wanted to see her get to work on a smaller show that had a smaller focus and a more concise theme but at the same time get to still have kind of that fantasy aspect that she could fall back on interesting interesting all right now who's who would like to go next i have nothing meaningful to add for i don't really have a lot of deep understanding i'm not sure sure if you guys had predict i'm not sure if you had predictions or not Hmm. We'll have to edit that out then. For I have nothing but actors. Um. Okay. Well, I was thinking Jeremy Bruckheimer. Mm. Jeremy. Bru- oh my! Ah, oh, is this freaking fast? This is Fast and the Furious, isn't it? No, actually, the director of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and uh, you know, I, I for one would like to see these monster girls uh, with the influence of pirates. That that, that would be nice. Everybody like is see- just actually played by Johnny Depp. Uh, or or Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> I was gonna well, say if you, if you suggested p- um, 
Tim Burton, everybody's played by Helena Bump Carter. Well, jo just imagine Johnny Depp saying, Oh, yes, his arms are totally rocking. I would have to admit that anything involving Tim Burton would make something monstrous, but not in the fun way. We'll, we'll have a new Dark nuts. Shadows, only actually funny this time. Oh, but shit. this is actually not a gothic horror monster show. This is actually light and fluffy, and you cut into it like a piece of cheesecake, and you savor it, savor it, savor it. Now, who, pray tell, is the chef of this concoction, as well as the sous chef? That, my dear friends, would be, as you stated before, our ADR director for interviews with Monster Girls is Jade Saxton. Yay, who, me! Yay, you. And as we've mentioned, her current, as far as we know, her current only ADR credit at this point is for Token Ranbu Hanamaru. As for hmm. writer, this is Miss Christian McGuire. First of her name. Hmm? Christian McGuire, first of her name. Christian, All hail Christian McGuire, first of her name. She's written for other broadcast dubs such as Dance with Devils, Dagashikashi, Love Live Sunshine, and Shonen Made in particular. Okay. Now, at least one I know. The other ones that I is have at not least, seen. I, I know I've we're familiar. One. I'm familiar with Dagashikashi because there was a lot of curious, interesting lines in that one. And everybody... <laughs> Gets a cackle out of dances with devils. Wambulance, oh, the wambulance! Which she actually credit. She went to one of our videos and actually was like, "By the way, I wrote the wambulance." Yeah, she's a good pick here. I must admit, I, I was I. One of my favorite podcast episodes was Dance with Devils here, and I found it was. Uh, she managed to make it go very well with uh, scripting the dialogue and adding adding those little humorous pepperings in a way that didn't completely revel in the excess that was the camp, while still making it light and fluffy and funny and enjoyable for all of us good children who enjoy camp. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, I've definitely seen some very awkward-sounding uh, dubs before, where they try to incorporate uh, modern-style wording or modern-style humor. Uh, this felt very natural-sounding, with a couple expressions mm -hmm. here or there that would fit in our society, but it doesn't date itself. Um, it, in general, I think the, the writing and directing was very well handled. No, deft, I think, was is a good word choice here, because right. this is something that they want to keep that, as you say, the down-to-earth, the life in high school feeling with this but they're going on when they're dealing with the the way fantasy often does when one is writing about a sensitive topic and using this as a metaphor to deal with real life social issues they had to uh tighten it up to make it sound naturalistic while also um avoiding becoming too casual too sloppy with it and i know there were some tense points around the episode for some people uh, were raising an issue about the use of the turn of phrase social justice warrior in this. Okay, yeah. you, you beat me to, you beat me to yeah, that. Yeah, okay. I will defend 
I haven't hmm. seen episode four yet. Okay, okay. 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 I will defend so, the use of this. I hate can, to can, give anything that has can, can I, adding legitimacy to Adam Baldwin, but I find that that turn okay. of phrase here used by the villains to then contrast our our heroine pointing out just the we are moving beyond labels and beyond uh, slurs simply saying being a jerk ass is bad I will stand against this because I don't believe in jerk assery it really delivered the point home the uh, actress in that performance did a masterful job of it and I found it flowed well in shaping the uh, dramatic shape of the scene and the way and the way that the narrative arc of that particular story beat went i have to commend it for handling it so well good job do they get beyond thunderdome though <laughs> no okay. unfortunately we don't okay um, i have a bit of a weirder kind of stance with it because when it, the kind of advent of the group of the dub talk group in general learning about this was Wednesday night. Um, mm. And I had yet to see the episode until earlier today. So I was like, wow, that is kind of a very weird term to throw in the dub, especially because since we've done this whole um, dub talk shenanigans, we've gone through at least three big iterations of very, very off-colored stuff that does allude to things. One of them being in Dragon Maid, which the Dragon Maid group is going to talk about when we... We will discuss that. We will discuss that. Another one being in um, uh, Ultimate Otaku Teacher. There's... Yeah, they use... Actually, I was going to say Prison School, too. Um, But I I haven't watched Ultimate Otaku Teacher, but I was told in that one it comes out of, like, left field and really dates Ultimate Otaku Teacher. Oh... I, I think I know where you're going with this, but let me at least say... I'm going to talk about other things aside from this fucking quip, because there's other things I want to talk about with this script, but I will say, I think the context works. I think That's this what I'm getting actually... to, though. That's yes, what I'm okay. actually getting to. Is Agreed. Once I actually watch the scene, it does make sense, at least from an American viewer's perspective. I don't know internet culture in Japan... I do know a bit about Western internet culture. I don't know how much high schoolers go on things like Reddit and Twitter and the 4chans and and shit, but I can see a teenager in 2017 saying that. Back to somebody who... Back to somebody who is calling them out because she's in the situation of I'm like this person who you're talking shit about. I relate to their struggle. You have no right to do this. You're being a dick. And I think she even says it. uh, Hikari even says it too, is just because other people are doing it doesn't give you the right to do it too. Which is very mature for a girl her age, especially with the character that she has shown to be up until that point. And I do think the actress who plays her did it well, also, there is probably a part of her that did remove a layer of acting, and that may be of what is really in her heart. I will I'm not say, f- I will say though, it does come off as a bit more of an American person saying this to more of a Japanese. But at the same time, um, I kind of wish I would have gotten to watch a little bit more of the Japanese, especially of that scene. 
because mm-hmm. we've we've had this discussion before in other episodes like Yuri on Ice is even when you're watching um, something on Crunchyroll, you still have to put your faith into the translator writer who's doing the subtitles. What is there a different word maybe they used and they use social justice warrior to potentially streamline it into something that clicks into a contemporary anime viewers um contemporary anime viewers world maybe but at the same time the context of the line does fit and the rest of the script has been genderly harmless and actually pretty fucking funny um i know one of them being in the dullahan episode where uh poor dullahan needs to go pee pee did Timmy fall down the well? Did Timmy fall down the well? Which instantly actually brought me back to high school because that's what we would do when somebody would freak out. We're like, what is it, boy? Did Timmy fall down the well? Or like whenever somebody would take too long in the bathroom, like even my dad would do it. So I do appreciate a lot of the writing that Kristen's doing because it does go walk the line of humorous and serious when it needs to be. Also, his arms are rocking was hysterical. His arms are... The, here's the thing I was going to say, that basically the quick thing, since everybody pretty much spent a long time talking about that one thing, point is, I don't think I agree with that using the term to kind of like modernize it, but I agree with the context that it was actually used, which I think a lot of those other examples kind of failed at. This one actually kind of used it in a way as sort of like a defensive, dismissive, what are you, this type of person kind of thing. I could have probably used a different term or something like that, but lip flaps and stuff. I think the term I used in the chat is, are you one of, are you a freak like her? Are you like a freak Mm -hmm. or? Like, are you like her? Kind of to to put Hikari in a sense of being the other, like the girl they are bullying. Yes. Mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, point is... Like I said, maybe it could have been something else, but I at least say the context actually worked for that particular. Other lines I wanted to say is just, I laughed at how he just says, she's missing her face and the delivery of that is great. I, I There's some other weird ones I, I didn't quite like too much. I thought, but Meowabunga was one of those things I'm like, what? That's weird. Odd. Who says Meowabunga? But then it's kind of like, you know what? She's really, they're really awkward around this girl because they don't understand her. And they it, really it, exactly. don't get it. Exactly. I, I feel if the point was this is supposed to be really awkward, then that, then that line succeeded and it's perfectly okay. But I also got a kick out of everything that the, uh, the succubus teacher was saying when she's drunk. I actually really like the phrase fake it till you make it. And as well as just how she's like, oh, I'm lame. You also got to, you, you got to admire the delivery of, you remember when uh, the Dullahan says like, I'm kind of into uh, uh, the teacher and she's like, I am too. Like the, the pacing and delivery of these lines are, are really well done. Oh, the, the comedic timing is great. I know we're talking about the, uh, the writing, but a lot of this is really good comedic timing and direction on the part of the director as well. So to that, I give my fullest of props to Jade because we haven't seen her do a lot of directing stuff. And for what Megan tells me, Token I Rambu have to is say this because I'm the only one out of the four of us who's watched every episode of it. Please, we will watch discuss. To- please watch Token Rambu Hanamaru if you haven't yet. It is a bit of a slog. It is a show where poor Jed had at least 30 characters she had to voice, had to get voices for, um, all of them male, by the way. All of the characters being male, ranging from little boy to 
older male. Not only did each of them sound distinct, each of them had great comedic timing, there was funny jokes, it was a really well put together dub, so I expect Jad to go into this project, which is a much smaller cast, a much tighter universe, and a much more down-to-earth story than a bunch of swords, a bunch of hot dudes who come from old samurai swords doing cutesy things like going to the beach, or learning what a camera is, or going to the store and buying... Instead of buying the alcohol for the drunk store, keep coming back with stupid shit. Um, that is an entire half of an episode, and it is funny as fuck. Um, okay. So but basically, the point taking is that Jad is really good with doing comedic direction, and good. she. This is a show that also, Token Rabu had a couple of serious moments. This one has actual like consequential serious moments, where like. Okay, these actions really do have socio-physical effects on people. The next step I would like to see for her as a director after this is to get to direct a full-on drama. Okay. I, I agree, Great. because these are small moments, but they're well done. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> you heard it here first, Funimation. Okay. So, now, in, in conclusion, while I have a couple of gripes with... Uh, some of the scripting stuff, I actually do feel, in terms of context, some of it does work, even though the particular controversial term is, like, I, I just don't want it coming up because it always leads to a bunch of shit that really doesn't need to come to anybody's way, and it's undeserved. Um, the direction is great. A lot of these line changes, a lot of the dialogue and the script is actually really funny, though, so... Even though there's a couple of little odd things here and there, I do give my full props to both Jade and both Christian McGuire. Great job. Well done, folks. Well done. Well done. Uh, okay. You have done moving, well. Moving on to our first character of the night. Wow, there was a lot to say there. But you know what? There was a lot to say there. So hopefully this, this show be has a lot to say. I'm surprised. Okay. Now, it's first almost off, like it's let's a talk podcast. Well, Anyways, moving on to our first character of the night, we will be discussing Himari Takanashi, the fraternal twin of the central vampire character of this show. Unlike most of the cast in this show, she is a regular person, despite her sister inheriting vampirism. Now, did anybody have any predictions for this particular character? Uh, oh, yes. yes. I had, um, I had three, but two of them were interchangeable with each other. Okay. Hmm. I had one. Because I have I'm one. trying to minimize myself. I have okay. one, but you guys go first. Uh, Megan, I'll allow you to take the floor first. Alright, so my two interchangeable ones were Alex Moore and Felicia Angeal. Um, mm. I just figured... From what I got to see of Himari before I um, did my predictions, was she came off as very like, ah, da, da, like very annoyed at her sister and kind of like a bit haughty. So the first kind of thing I instantly thought of was Shinoa's voice from Sarah for the end, um, <laughs> because you know how she Shinoa has that sweetness deep down but at the same time she kind of has that bit of pompousness to her 
the same time, I feel like uh, Alex more does that with her Mitsuba voice, but I feel like she doesn't have to put on the kind of like this, like the nasalier tone that okay, Mitsuba uh, kind quick, of has. Quick question. Uh, you said Shinoa. Who plays Shinoa that you predicted for Himari? Felicia Angeal. Okay, you just said Shinoa. You didn't mention Felicia. Uh, no, I said Felicia. Okay, sorry, my bad. Yeah, All right. I said because Felicia has like, when she's Shinoa, she has like that haughtier, better than you kind of tone or like a bit of a moral, a superior tone. And, Himer, and Himari kind of does come off as the kind of annoyed older older twin and then my other pick because she did come off as the annoyed older twin in a bit sundere was uh the sundere queen and director herself jade saxton because when i need to cheap out and slot a sundere voice for a high school girl jade saxton's really easy to put in that cheap spot <laughs> that she that she is but anyways mm -hmm. um snaves you had one or just add to the thing there about the Sundere slot is like, well, Wendy Lee's not getting any younger, so we got to figure out a replacement sooner or later. Oh uh, no! I, I, I'm sorry, that was mean spirited. Wendy Lee, if you're listening, I still love you and think you're fantastic. Please don't judge me. Um, I judge how many times I've listened to that Lucky Star clip of her eating <laughs> the fucking chocolate clarinet. I've seen that like 20 times at this point. We are bad people. With good taste very bad in clarinets. But who is not a bad person, Sneed? Who is not a bad person? I would say, for the voice of Himri Takahanashi, I would go for Lindsay Hale. I had her down there as the sensible sister, and felt that, hey, sensible and Lindsay Hale are things that do go together. It wasn't a ace-perfect pit, but I figured she's rolling around the Funishmation stable and leading a grand old life why not put her in this role? Because someone's got to use the employment. Why not now, her? I'm now imagining just like the actor break room is basically just a horse stable that everybody just like shovels in oats. Just get get Fukunawa just shoving oats to everybody. That that'd be an Rojas interesting. And, Rojas and gods will clean up after them. <laughs> hey, they're high in fiber and nutrient. Well, oh, damn it, Rico! You took a big shit on the floor. <laughs> Handling the talent is a very Look, difficult. Look, he was task. locked in there. He had to do it at some point. This is why okay, you I can't have nice things. That. I actually tweeted him about that. I'm like, for some reason, I just randomly thought about Rico Fajardo getting himself locked in the booth and started cackling. He goes. I check every door now so I don't get locked in. And all I sent him back was Haruhito roll for lock doors. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's good. All right. <clears throat> Before we get off topic any further, um, I had one prediction for uh, Himari, and this was somebody I wanted to. I really liked in a particular performance, and I want to get more versified roles. Uh, Marissa Lenti. Not bad. She's been rolling around. She's been doing a lot of good voice work and stuff. I want her to get her first, like, anime directorial debut soon, but she's been busy with Ruby and Death Battle. There is Anyways. another character, now that I'm thinking about it, like, looking at that character in the prediction list, I kind of wish I would have thrown her there, but I, um, I don't want to say her as a prediction. Anyways, it, I believe it is time to now cover... Who is in fact Miss Himari? Well, I I did have a prediction. Oh, you did have a prediction. I thought you did. My bad. Well, 
quote-unquote prediction. Oh, um, boy. Who better to play the role than someone who has played a vampire once before <laughs> and who is, you know, always acts uh, wiser beyond her years? I think Dakota Fanning would be a perfect choice. <laughs> I get that joke! I will I not dignify you with a response. Joke. I am going to move on and introduce Miss <laughs> Imari Takanashi's voice actress as the wonderful, renowned Miss Jamie Markey. Miss hmm. Jamie Markey is known for such roles as Liz Thompson in Soul Eater, Junko Enoshima in Danganronpa, Rios in High School DxD, Panty in Panty and Stocking, Kana in Fairy Tale, Shoko Kirishima in Baka and Tess, and because Zenith is here and Zenith loves some One Piece, she's also the voice of Miss Valentine and Shindri in One Piece. Miss Valentine, to name is the a best, few yo. off the couple hundred. <laughs> Everyone's in One Piece, though. Literally, all of the all of the cast member has been at least one named character in One Piece. I did this for you, Zenith. You're welcome. Yay. I, I'm Anyways. happy. Anyways. Okay, who would like to go first and talk about uh, Himari? I know she hasn't had a lot to do yet, but... <laughs> I, she... I will, because I, I, I have watched episode four. I actually really like Jamie as Himari. And it's a little bit in the sense that it is a bit of a tone out of Jamie I'm not used to hearing. Um, I'm very much used to Jamie when I hear Jamie talk doing the panty voice, I'm going to call it. Um, especially fuck this when guy, you're... fuck that guy, fuck those uh, guys. Fuck this guy. To which the the best panty and stocking video on the internet is just panty and stocking the fucking short version. Um, that's all I'll say. But I love that show anyway. Continue. Sorry, I interrupted but, you. I, I feel bad. Um, and as somebody who is watching, um, it, who is part of the horrible, horrible thing that is the year fairy tale, when you hear her has Kana, she's very. It's laid back and dialed back, but it is still very mature sounding. It's It fits that age group. I, I like Himari because I feel like Himari does sound like a much more mature high school student. And it balances off of Hikari's immature high school student, aside from the moment where Hikari calls out the bullies. Um, I like that there she has this kind of serious talk in episode 4 with Takaha uh, Takahashi. Mm -hmm. no, that's, that's I, I thought that was a really What's nice the, scene, too, actually. Mm -hmm. What the hell is the teacher's name at this point? Okay. I forgot. The confusing thing about Taka, it's Takanashi for the vamp, for the twins, and Takahashi for the See, teacher. See, that's really confusing for it's my It's literally small only time. the one That's letter. very confusing for my American brain. Um, But she it, has the scene where she's walking with him and calling him, and then at the very end, I knew you were being a creep, and she kind of has this freak out moment. I haven't really gotten to hear Jad, not Jad, Jamie get to do something that is that serious in that moment um, since maybe her performance as five in Terror and Residence. And I don't know if that's just because I haven't been watching shows where Jamie is a focal point where she's doing the mature voice. Because, frankly, I do think Junko Enoshima is kind of there, too, but Junko Enoshima is fucking nuts. And so she has many different, like 20 different against, voices in one. Yeah, yeah she, it's so many, it's so all over the place that it's hard to really 
critique the Junko performance against other characters she's done. But to me, it's nice to hear her be kind of laid back, mature, concerned. And I haven't really gotten to hear that since her as five in Terra and Residence. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. I was a little worried... Sorry. I was a little worried about her sounding a bit too old for the age because compared to a lot of the other actresses that that are cast as the teenage girl, she's definitely been around a lot longer, so I was surprised to see her. So I thought, oh, this is just going to be Jamie, but it's, it definitely sounds like she could fit the age. I just wasn't particularly expecting Jamie in this role in particular, but... I, 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 did, I didn't think of the whole contrast between maturity and immaturity, which actually might be a little more why you had a veteran compared to who was cast as the sister. I, I think she does a good job. Jamie, Jamie, Mar, Mar, ah, sorry. March, Marquis. It's Marquis. It's like not Chi, it's Key. It's the same problem with Kingdom Hearts. Keyblade, not X-Blade. <laughs> Jamie does a good job. Uh, what are your thoughts? I like I it. Found she... mm-hmm. I found that it was a fitting role that uh, both, uh, like a teenager, was both capable of great maturity and great immaturity within beats of one another. And uh, with the aforementioned good scripting and excellent direction, Played to both the comedic timing and the dramatic beats very effectively. Well done. Yeah, I I, I honestly have to agree. Uh, she wasn't in a lot of the stuff that I've seen. Again, I haven't seen episode four, but when she was in... Episode four was like the big one we're going to reference a lot, so I apologize. Yeah. Why are um, you apologizing for what's a pivotal For spoilers. Moment? I don't like being spoiled of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, well, then you must be too, quite terribly pained to know that Snape kills Trinity with Rosebud. <gasps> you and they were bastard! And, and Dumbledore killed Harry Potter. Twice. I, I can't believe father. that... I can't believe that... I can't believe that the real treasure along the way was the ghost of... Oh, God, what was the fucking... What is the name of the actor from fucking Sixth Sense? Bruce Willis was. I can't believe the real treasure was Bruce Willis's dead body all along. One Piece's friendship all along. Um, but anyway, uh, I I I think the introduction of this character really sold it for me because, um, she isn't a lot in Episode Three, but when she was introduced, she was able to both play off the comedic edge and both like feeling frustrated at her sister and i definitely felt the emotion from her uh from from a sibling and i i think it really got across that character um and in the maturity in that character compared to the bubbly energetic vampire girl who is who is lots of fun but also kind of ditzy hmm. very well done now <clears throat> good contrast now here's the thing while i enjoy himari she is still a fairly interesting character. She's, she's, I realize that she is mean, but she is not cold. She has a warm side. Now, let's 
let's turn the heat down a little bit right now and talk about. God damn it, you and your fucking you segues. Really? I Did actually really? had a segue for a different character, then I remembered I had somebody else written down, so I had to work that midway through. I'm still the segue keg. I'm just now. In work. I'm just not backseat driving anymore. I'm now driving this truck, and I'm taking y'all fuckers with me. Let's talk about Yuki Kusakabe, otherwise your... known as the Yukiona or the Snow Woman, if you will. Your wordplay is truly chilling. The Ice Maiden of Habanari Fortress. Ice to meet you. <laughs> uh, I need a drink. It's okay. gotta be what cool. What the dinosaurs? <laughs> It okay. was the ice age. Cool as ice. All right, this this stuff is giving me some frostbite right now. Let's move on to our predictions. I have, I had two predictions for this one. First off, funny enough, I had Christian McGuire as one of my predictions on the grounds that she seemed kind of preppy but not completely too cutesy. So I wasn't sure how cutesy they were gonna go with this character. My second mm. prediction was Miss Sarah Wiedenhef, who is basically the personification of cute. Uh, I had three predictions, uh, one of them being Michaela Krantz, because she does a lot of cute things, and she has a really stupid crazy range, because she can be both Ryu from Snow White with the red hair, Horn from Sarah for the end, and uh, Hyoka from uh, Shimonetta. I also had Jill Harris, because Jill Harris has done cute little things that will probably cause us to be in a puddle of tears. Uh, planetarian is a thing that exists. Uh, but then I also too had Sarah Wiedenhaf because the moment I had to predict her as Sarah Wiedenhaf is in the first episode when she is brought on by a stretcher and she's just like, it's okay, I'm fine. And she's like, Shaking like a chihuahua who's been introduced to cocaine on a stretcher. Oh, I, I'm sorry to interrupt for a second. There's something I want to mention in the scripting that I really want to bring up. Because if on the off chance Jade or Christian are watching this, that scene where they first introduced the snow woman, they're like, cool. Uh, he, uh, Hikari says, cool. I didn't know we had a snow woman going to school here. And then they show her later interacting with the snow woman in the past, being like, wow, you're nice and cold. Was that a continuity error in that she had interacted with the snow woman before that? Or the stretcher was the first time she met the snow woman? Time passed since interviewing the teacher and she had interacted with her after meeting her. Because yeah, that's a weird thing. It's very It's not unclear. as bad it's, as others. It's not, it's not terrible, but it's a thing I noticed because the continuity isn't clear if she knew the snow woman after she was on the stretcher or that was the first time she met her. It's very unclear, and I kind of wanted that to, uh, to be uh, addressed because that was something... Andrew, can I please make this joke? Go ahead. You've already brought up jacking up the snake, where all, anything goes. Are, how, on a scale of one to Gajiel not being affected by Fairy's Law, how bad are your continuity errors? God damn it! Why would. Okay, fucking. We're watching Year of Fairy Tale right now. We're on episode 48. Uh. The next arc is going to be the one where Jade Saxon actually is introduced as a character. Anyways, completely off topic, I need to bring this train back. What are your predictions for Yuki Kusakabe? 
Megan has given hers. Andrew's it's giving Zenith. his. Zenith has given his. Yet. Yeah. Zenith. Um. Zenith, please. The the person who I chose uh, is is no stranger to uh, cold and ice. Um, famous for uh, you know telling someone to uh, ditch the zero and get with the hero. Vanilla I swear to God, ice. This is Arnold. Oh, okay. Vanilla ice. I think would be well, perfect. Because That's he can even... also be very cute as this character. He has that capability. And he That's can... equally terrible, but I thought you were going to say Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I was going to have to stab you. I was going to say that, but we already mentioned him. And and honestly, I think Vanilla Ice can bring this forth. Especially, like, if, if we ever need a spontaneous ice wrap, he has us covered. Look, and I want to duck my head in a bucket of, of ice water right now, just because we're talking about this. Snames, please continue. Uh, I was going to go for the sim similarly uh, cutely themed Marissa Lenti. I figured she's uh, had a bit of a history in doing cutesy voices in, in various shows. I remember her as Momoko from Nanbaka, and thought that her... She wouldn't be as high energy in this, but she could still do that twee sort of turn of phrase without being excessively shrill. I think she could pull it off. I could see that. And she, uh, Marissa Lenti definitely does have the cutesy range, which impressed the crap out of me. But we can finally say who the actual actress for Miss Yuki Kusakabe is. That would be... As Megan and I have mentioned, the lovely Miss Sarah Wiedenhef. Sarah Wiedenhef has voiced in other shows such as... She's voiced characters such as Rinka Urushiba in Tokyo ESB. Okay, how do you, how do you say the sister in Blood Blockade Battlefront? Michela? Michela. Michela? Michela? Yeah. Michela Watch in Blood Blockade Battle. Something like that, I don't know. Ruby Kurosawa in Love Live Sunshine. Ran Tachibana in Free. And because Hardy's gonna kill me if I don't mention this. Celeste in Hunipop. And Shihoru in Grimgar of Fantasy Hey, 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 and hey, Ash. hey. It is pronounced Honey Pop, not Hunipop. Okay, fine. Honey Pop. But she okay. is also Shihoru in Grimgar of Fantasy and Ash which has actually recently been re-localized to Grimgar, Ashes, and Illusions for the Blu-ray release. She's Doesn't matter. Fucking awesome show. Please watch. Cool. She's also Afalandra in One Piece. No, I don't know who that is. I think she's one of the Amazons. Anyways, what did we think of Sarah Wiedenhef? It was a Sarah Wiedenhef role? Like, I hate to be not as enthusiastically talking about Yuki as I am characters like Himari and other characters. It's what I expect at this point. Yuki is kind of a chihuahua person. It's another Sarah Whedon Heffrol. I mean, it reminds me a lot of Ruby from Love Live Sunshine mixed with Shihoru. I, I'd because argue, yeah. Ruby was kind of the type of person most of the show and Shihuru at least kind of had the balls to back it up when shit needed to be backed up. I'd at least argue that it 
while I say it is at this point kind of like cutesy Sarah voice, I it's been a while since I actually have heard her bring out the dramatic waterworks, which I know it's she's really good at. A lot of the people from Grimgar were actually really able to do the waterworks stuff, and I do think she can do the dramatic stuff. And even though we haven't heard episode five yet, there she gets some dramatic moments to she'll get some dramatic moments to work with there. And I am really curious to see how she does. But yeah, I think she did fine, and I do enjoy the dramatic stuff as well. It's just usually I see lots of of uh, just cute girl doing cute things. And I think at least this particular character is more than just cute girls doing cute things. I'm done. Mike is open to either of you. Hmm. Well, in my own estimation, I would more or less add the same. It was a serviceable role. Doesn't have a whole heck of a lot to do. There's a dramatic arc you can see coming from a mile away. And as such, it doesn't call for a huge dramatic range. But... She fits into the role well enough, and I cannot condemn her for doing a well enough role well enough. Um, I do. I I pretty much agree with what you guys said. Uh, Yuki didn't really have um that much to say in in the episode, but I I liked the voice. Um, I you know again I haven't seen episode four, so that's pretty much her major like start of her role. Uh, episodes one through three are more about the other characters, so um, it's 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 definitely uh, from what I have seen, it is a good enough job. I just I don't have enough to really judge. All right, a fair, fair statement. We all we all seem to enjoy her, but it definitely seems like it's not. It didn't quite entrance anybody as like some of the other performances. Okay, now, let's, let's turn up the heat, my friends. <laughs> Things are about to get a little bit... Hot in here. Steamy? Yeah. Let's... Oh god, keep it in <clears throat> your pants. Who said I was wearing any? <laughs> okay. I am a professional... But this is audio and not visual, simply put. Anyways, speaking you, of wearing the pants, let us talk about the wonderful, lovely, very lovely Miss Saki Sato. She is a recent teacher that has joined as a math teacher for this school, and she has a bit of a hard life with her. She has to get up super early. She has to go home super late, lives in isolation. And why is that? Because she is a succubus and every guy around her gets super entranced with how hot she is. But all she really wants is not lust, but to find a little romance. That doesn't involve the lower region. So she does want babies. She she wants form of love. She wants the kind of love that involves like cooking together instead of just wearing the, the naked apron. She wants the kind of thing where she can lean on somebody's shoulder at the movies instead of going for the old hole in the bucket. 
She wants and she wants to go. She wants to go vanilla when her nature wants to go for the really hardcore R eighteen dojins. <sighs> anyway, what we what we're gonna I really get want here to move is she on doesn't. She's segment. not down to fuck. She just wants to be loved. She wants. She wants cuddles. She doesn't. She doesn't want Netflix and chill. She wants Netflix and pop tarts. <laughs> so. What were our predictions, I Oh, want? right, yeah, I have to make predictions at some point. I am the one driving this train wreck. Okay, first things, I had two for this particular character. I had two I had in mind. Uh, this was actually where I picked Miss Jamie Markey for this particular seductress, as well as the lovely Morgan Garrett. Uh, I had a different Morgan. And that is Miss Morgan Berry. Being that... <laughs> Alright, let me explain this. No, I'm sure you have a reason. I'm just surprised. I really like Morgan Berry. And when I saw Sakai... Is it Sakai or Sakai? Uh, I, I, I just call her Sato. Yes. Okay, Sato. When I saw Sato in the first episode, and she kind of comes in and is like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I had to get off the train and... She came in, she kind of felt like a recent college graduate to me. <laughs> and there was something about her and her way that she freaked out that I was like, wow, this really reminds me of... <laughs> Andrew's gonna laugh at this. Okay. She reminds me of Yohane from Love Life Sunshine grew up and became a teacher. Oh my god. So that's why I picked Morgan Berry, because Morgan Berry has a very unique voice. And I have yet to see her play an adult character. She has played little boys. She has played um, teenagers. I want to see her play an adult, so I thought she would be a really good pick for Sato. Um, and then my other... The other prediction I really want to say was I actually thought Brina Palencia would be really good in this role. Uh, mostly because mm. I haven't seen Brina Palencia in a lot of broadcast dub stuff in a while. Actually, I really, I like really think Brina would work, yeah. I think Brina Palencia would have really worked because she has, again, a very unique voice. And she has this energy about her, especially once you get to episode three, that Sato has to her. So, I really thought that Morgan Berry or Brina Palencia would have been a really good choice for that. Mm. Okay. Uh, any other predictions? Are you a serious one, Zenith, or a joke? Because if it's going to be a joke, we should let you go last. Uh, it's it's gonna be a joke, but but I, I have I have, uh, I have something good prepared. You know what else is a joke, Zenith? Your commitment to this podcast. Uh, uh, I predicted the succubus girl from Kyonu Fantasy because she was really hot and had the big titties and. <laughs> titties. And that boys and girls is how Zenith's brain works. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, Zenith, I shouldn't be mean. All right, um, all right. I, I, we're all having a little fun here, but we should move along, along yeah. at the very least. Let's hear your predictions. My take was also Morgan Barry. Oh. My my opinion on ah. this would, would have been that the character oscillates between being goofy and somewhat inexperienced, but also having able to take on that role of maturity and the authority figure, and I found that for someone who was less seasoned in the playing an adult role, but who still could branch out into that, that type of inexperience would be reflected well in the tones that she could create. Combining that with the fact that the character 
tries so hard to be serious, but still is ultimately much more comedic and silly than uh, one would expect for a person in such a role. Uh, I gave her kudos and props. And thus, Morgan Berry was also my prediction. Go Megan! Cool. Go Sneeves. Cool. All right. Go Would Team you... Venture. All right, no, let's make no. it. Let's do this. Going off of what you said, someone who's inexperienced playing adult roles, someone, uh, but that would bring a lot more to the to the table. Uh, someone who has who is no stranger to love. Um, someone who came in like a wrecking ball. Uh, oh my God! No. I, I was thinking Miley Cyrus. Okay. No. No, 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 bad, 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 bad. Zenith? Zenith, you're not allowed to sleep in the rooms at Anime Boston anymore. You have to sleep outside the con. But you, but she you, came in like a wrecking ball. She's, you, she knows no, love like and lust. You are. She, she knows all about the succubi. Like, she'd be perfect. Uh, so do I, Zenith, but that's because I have years of studying the occult as an armchair magician. Come that on. doesn't give we, me we, the right to recommend Alistair Crowley. of sex is Nicki Minaj, let's be real here. They call her NyQuil for a reason, let's put it like that. Anywho, Saki Jamal, Sato. I see Jamal. Just the way that you said that, I instantly see Jamal in the chat with his stupid face. Now, speaking of, let us introduce the voice actress for this adorable, seductive, cute little cinnamon person, Morgan Garrett. Morgan Garrett has done such roles as Seraphim from Is This a Zombie, Akira Mato in Tokyo Ghoul Rude, Cow I was gonna be like, Andrew, if you did not mention my waifu, I was gonna be very upset. Well, it's a good thing I mentioned your waifu. Kaori Kanzaki from A Certain Magical Index, Frolatia Capistrano from Heavy Object, because as stupid as that show is, that is a show with the best dumb names ever, Akane Owari from Danganronpa 3, Kurumi Saiki, the mom Psyche from Disastrous Life of Psyche K, and this was one I learned that was really interesting to discover, the voice of young Sabo in One Piece. Which was really surprising, because Roots, Chartmaster Roots himself, originally thought, is that Christina V? No, Morgan Garrett. Surprised to see that, too. Anyways. I'm kind of sad you didn't mention Daya Kurosawa, since you mentioned Ruby. Okay, since we're talking about giant dorks that fake it till they make it, Daya Kurosawa uh, from Love Live Sunshine, she also Who voices. is basically this character grown, is okay. basically her character grown up. For, before we go off, let me With just say... disability. Holy shit! This is awesome! This is amazing, because it's, it's hilarious, because initially it's typecast because seductive succubi of course morgan would be cast as the big boobied person who usually they're very cold and like seductive but this is somebody who's trying her hardest to go away from all of that sex appeal as possible dressing up in like the most non-attractive looking attire and trying to do all those steps but here's the thing I love that she says, fake it till you make it, because that really is her character, is that she really wants to come off 
as this person who's got it all together, knows what she's doing, and rules the world, but she's really just this kind of giant dork that really does look like she just got fresh out of college and just kind of can't deal, but she's trying to live her life as best as she can, and she wants to find in somebody that can share with her passions instead of her passions. You know? His arms are rocking! They are so rocking! Rockin'. Oh god. Uh, I, that part was fucking Oh, her, her delivery is so great because she kind of goes from this very... Like, she could do the seductive stuff. That's nothing new for her. But the kind of derpy moments where she's just like, I'm sorry, I'm really late. I know. It's like, please stay away from me. She's just kind of... I will, I will say this. If you think derpy Morgan in this is good, you need to find drunk Morgan. Drunk Morgan should be interesting indeed. But yeah, no. Oh, Drunk Morgan! It's an episode of Tokyo Ghoul Rude. Oh, Drunk Morgan's in this too. She gets drunk and she's like, ah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's so great. She's so. I, I feel like. I really like that Morgan's a really big derp in this show. I really do. However, hmm? I feel like that charm comes in. Once she gets the hots for the teacher, and to be fair, Sato is my least favorite character in the show. Really? Because I feel like while she is really funny, and she has these great spazzy moments, I feel like the series, because I really did like the serious edge about how she lives away from other people because she can't fall asleep uh, in an apartment complex. Because she's going to give everybody erotic dreams. Uh, how she avoids human interaction. That she dresses like a nun, basically. She covers up as much as she can. And she's there so early so that she... And she's basically there because she's clean. And she cleans because all these things. But I feel like once she gets the hots of the teacher, she kind of becomes this really bad joke. And that her character mm. just becomes, I want to fuck... The, the one teacher. good man. I think. I think. I want, it... I, I want one good dicking. I and I feel like in the show, where all the other characters, she is multifaceted, and I think Morgan <laughs> does a really good job capturing all of her sides. I just wish she had a little bit more down to earthness that the other characters have at this point. So I. Uh, I, I that's really... not Morgan's fault. That's the show. But I itself. do think Morgan Barry does a fan. Morgan Garrett. Mor I'm sorry. Garrett too many Morgans, does a fantastic job at capturing all the aspects to herself and she really does do a great job before she be kind of becomes this thirsty little hoe, pardon my language, um, this thirsty little thing um, that she really did get a lot of sympathy out of me and that her delivery for the first few lines where she's like, I had to get off the train and go onto the other train and da 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 da, -da like that was really well done because she could capture that in it, and I'm going to shut my mouth now. All right. I blame uh, the script. I, I, I really hope that future episodes explore a little more into her character. I blame... I, that's not even the script. I just blame the source material at that point. Because a writer... Enough. An adaptation writer can't change the plot that's already there. It's like, I, I don't think she is a bad character. I, I, I think she's more than just her crush. But, like I said, I want... The show want... has yet to show it as much. As fair, 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 fair. Which is an example for another character. Point is, there's a lot of 
Like, she does, like, sultry sexy, but I really like Morgan in comedies. Because she has a really good range, and I think this is, like, the perfect encapsulation. And the delivery and the things she gets to work with really, really sells her as a comedic actress as well. And I think this is a great character to work it for, because it's kind of like typical typecast, but also subversion at the same time, because it's just this very derpy kooky character when and you think oh she's really hot and she's really seductive it's like no she just kind of wants to just live a normal life and just do her thing but you know what i, I like the character regardless we 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 saw i am sorry fellow hosts i we took the floor a lot please continue because we do we need to move along <laughs> i'm sorry hmm. my own take on on her uh Yes, Morgan Barry. What am I saying? I already said this. Garrett! Nothing more to add. Zenith? Uh, yes. Um, I think it was really, really well done. Um, you guys hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's a character that um, I think we need more of. Um, but the deep moments that we got, especially her alone on the train when she's trying not to fall asleep, um, even though she has to get up early and stay late the just to avoid is real. contact... Um, she really plays those moments really well, and I feel for her. But just her comedic timing is so on... It's so on point. So Morgan Garrett, uh, yeah, just able to play both sides of this character. Uh, this character that can be very serious when it needs to be, but also comedic uh, a lot of the time recently. I, I like the what she's doing in the role. I will say this, though. I really want to see Morgan Garrett get to do dramatic in this show because I feel like a lot of the times when you see her now, she is in a little bit more comedic stuff. Um, I want to say if you really want to hear Morgan Garrett do a really good dramatic performances, there's two that really stick out to me. One obviously being Akira Mato in Tokyo Ghoul Route A because she does a fan-fucking-tastic job as that character. The other one is Hadley in Empire of Corpses. Um, mm. I don't want to say much more other than go watch the film because she does a really good job. Uh, but uh, yeah, check out Empire of Corpses. I can't say much more because we're doing something with that. Okay. Morgan, Morgan Garrett, 10 out of 10. Great job. Great derp. Give this girl a hug, not a dick. Anyways. Would you say that she's ahead of her class? I, I I give it a ten out of ten. You I'm got a little it, ahead of me it. right there, Megan. You <sighs> stuck my neck out. I Holy can't believe shit. I'm the sane one in this podcast. Holy shit! Right I have to fight for my puns. Puns. You're being punished right now. Now you know how I feel when I have to rein your ass in. Oh. <laughs> No, I had a segue phrasing, too. Phrasing, uh, Lana, punch. Lana, phrasing. Phrasing. <laughs> All right, can we get? We've hit, get on we've with hit it. Archer jokes. We've hit Archer jokes. We are now the pinnacle. Let's of the talk event. about a girl who really needs a hug, Miss Kyoko Machi. She is <sighs> Dulahan Chan. She is truly Contender. the best of the best. The precious that needs a hug, that just wants to be cuddled. She is a very good girl, and 
she is, is she a contender for best girl of 2017 at least for the season probably she is a good girl and she is great but she is not somebody i like oh god she's so hot it's like no she is a child and she deserves hugs and to be guided in the proper direction okay so Dulahan oh yeah what's this chat called oh yeah Coddle, Coddle Dulahanchan. Coddle Dulahanchan 2K17. I stand by it. Now, who would stand for her as her voice? Who did we have for predictions? I had two. I had Miss Afia Yu, who's very good for interesting, cutesy, but also kind of sophisticated characters, and Tia Ballard, who is pretty much uh, great as doing cute, but she also does some really funny, interesting stuff, and this character's got a lot of those moments as well. Uh, I had two predictions, really, one of them being Jeannie Tirado, uh, because Jeannie Tirado has kind of a very fun range as well. I feel like it would have been a little bit of a deeper voice, but I think she did a really good job, and she's good at comedy. And again, my other one is actually Alex Moore, because Alex Moore has an interesting voice. Again, uh, she can do both Mitsuba and other roles, and I would have liked to see her kind of get to play this quirky little Dullahan. Okay. Hmm. I, for one, had Jill Harris down for this. Ah, I found pick. that the character had, uh, again, was cutesy, but I found that there was more complexity in timber there were subtler moments that i thought she would be able to pull off with a plum that would not require full out um not a full deep dramatic range but um could work with the subtlety and tact that would be necessary for the type of the type of inner turmoil that a character like this would be dealing with hmm. that's all i have to say good very good, very nice. I I like that choice. All right, uh, Zenith. Um, I chose someone who has uh this headless experience before. Someone who uh definitely needs a hug. Uh, someone who uh just just is very lonely and in, in need of affection. Um, I chose nearly headless Nick. <laughs> Holy shit! You didn't go for Marie Antoinette? No, that would be too oh. obvious. Disappointed. Oh. I am disappointed. Kristen, isn't that Kristen Dunst? No, Marie Antoinette. We're going to bring... If we're going to completely piss up the wall, we might as well deal with the French Revolution and all that that entailed. Alright, I'm gonna cut this chat at the neck right now. Let's say who are... Hey, actors. don't get ahead of yourself. Oh, quit getting snappy with me. I'll get snappy with your neck there, buddy. All right. That that went dark. <laughs> I, that's what happens when... That's what happens when you bring up... That's what happens when you bring up Marie Antoinette. Somebody loses their head one way or another. Hey, we're professionals. No, I legitimately thought you were referencing the 2006 Sofia Coppola film. No, I was referencing actual French history and the problems what hap what becomes of revolutionary politics when they are unchecked by regulatory bodies. Nerd. 
Anyways. My apologies for being educated in a podcast about science. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Investigator. Well, my, my, my choices are entirely based on science. Science Mag- and Magic facts. and science are the same, same, same thing, really. But does your and magic you and science tell now. you who is best girl? No, yes, it does. it does. It is that girl from Thor because Thor merges magic and science. So therefore, Natalie that, Portman is attractive. The, the girl that I don't care about. Kyoko Machi. <laughs> and who voices Kyoko Machi? Probably the biggest surprise of this entire press list, in my opinion. Terry Doty. Hmm. This one took me for a shock because... Let me, let, me just, let me just say, this was the one that really kind of made me spit my drink, because particularly some of the roles she plays. First off, let's begin with, uh, she voices Yuko Tachikawa in Parasite the Maxim, Kirara Hazazama from Assassination Classroom. The Evil Queen. The Evil Queen. Alice Kiriki from Okami-san and her Seven Companions. Chutaro yeah. Kumo from Laughing Under the Clouds. Uh, Virgo from fairy tale and speaking of fairy tale she's the voice of young jalal and she's also the voice of ah! yes fairy tale flashbacks but she's not the only young i'm jalal he's jalal everyone she's jalal. is god is anybody jalal. else in here jalal there's like five of them <laughs> i just need that scene in spongebob <laughs> <laughs> well, the, He's Squidward. I, you're Squidward. I'm Squidward. Is anyone else in here Squidward? I Not knew it. I'm surrounded down. by Jalal's. Okay, speaking of young, this young character, she also voices young Frankie in One Piece. She voices young Ayato Kirishima in Tokyo Ghoul. And just going off her behind the voice actor page, she voices like 10 other younger variations of a bunch of little boy characters. It's kind of amazing. Fucking Baby Ayato, no. Fuck my heart. Seriously. She voices like- She was Baby Habercorn. Here's the thing that surprised me about Terry Doty. She voices a lot of male, young males, and butch girls. So seeing her essentially play the cute Moe girl in this show is kind of one of the biggest surprises of this entire casting thing to me. Now, do we think it works? Fuck yeah! Okay. Oh yes. Oh yes. 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 I would definitely say yes. I will yes. say. I will. I will say me? yes. But I had a little bit of trouble warming up to it. This isn't even me Do you making... want to know the moment? And that's not even that a pun. Her... That's not even a pun because her neck is literally on fire, even though I realize in hindsight, wow, I'm warming up to her and her... God, that was a failed opportunity. Well, you're, you're just on fire today. I mean, really. Oh. If it makes you feel better, I feel like I don't want to make that joke because every time she gets really excited, the fire, like, shoots up. So, as one of the three Dolahans on Earth... I feel like the time when she finds a partner and they lay down to to do the sex and the fire shoots out of the neck. I really, really hope they're playing Kings of Leon sex on fire. Okay, can we talk about the fact, first of all, I did not want to make any sexual jokes or references like I usually do because this is a good, sweet child who deserves I know, all the hugs. I, I but, had, it was there and I but, took my no, shot no, in horrible. Megan. The show brings it up too. The sh- 
They literally say, you realize you actually have an advantage at love. You can, you can do, do a bunch things of things that he can't. Like, I'm other like, girls oh my god. The only thing I'm thinking of is, oh god, please don't tell me they're talking about blowjobs. Megan, I'm just we really shouldn't get I'm ahead of ourselves. Okay, back to what... Back to the normal human conversation, the normal demi conversation. We're here, not talking about that kind of head. We're talking about different kinds of heads, the intellectual kind and the kind that comes from the voice. And this particular voice <laughs> is curious to me because in the Japanese, really I felt she was very, you know, moe moe kyun type. And while she was, it was different to me because this is like. I think they're going for a much classier performance. How, what did I have here? Um, mm. for, I had. I actually did have notes for this episode. She has. She exudes in the English a very mature, classy aura. I'd say good girl instead of cute girl was what I had, which was kind of surprising. Which seems a little playing it kind of like dull at first to me which surprised me but she does the moments great she does she is serious. a pure innocent cinnamon roll that needs to be coddled and pampered because she is just uh, i feel so bad for her because like uh she's in, got in the, the hard not life she she has a hard life and everyone just looks at her funny she's they they almost uh, approach her like a paralyzed person and uh, she just okay, takes everything. We should bring in stride. that up right now. Monster girls are a kind of not so subtle allegory to disability in exactly. this universe, which is a very common running theme. Which it's very exuded very realistically with this character because she really wants to open up. She really wants to open up. You know because of the fact that she wants to have a conversation. And like I said, that Meow Bunga line was really awkward. That scene was really awkward, so it worked, because she has a hard time opening up with these people about her being a doula hand. And then it changes when Hikari is like, so does it suck to carry your head around? And then what? everybody's like, <gasps> and then she's like, yeah, it's a little rough. And then they just start talking about their their things and they just kind of bond over it because they're just like, it's just a part of my life. I don't want that to be all I am. I want to talk about my life and just get the elephant out of the room. Or She get... doesn't want to be treated any different in the fact that the other girls are treating her like that. Just just they're afraid to say anything is a, is a big detriment. It's like, don't bring up the wheelchair when you can clearly see mm -hmm. the wheelchair. It's what is ultimately makes the nature of monstrosities presented in the series an interesting parallel and contrast to pre-existing notions of monstrosity. Throughout human civilizations, the notion of the monstrous is placed in contrast to the ideals of a civilization or culture. The monster does not fit the norms and, and, and sensibilities and mores of a culture, and thus is treated as the other that is used as the focal point on uh, upon which a tribal unit may oppose and build itself out of through the, the the framing of this series it is examining it the same way that the lens of disability would examine how 
disability in, uh, in other media has depicted this. The monstrous, through the act of compassion and normalcy, is made to become part of everyday life. That which is abnormal or unusual okay. is not demonized, merely made... They're X-Men. Made to reflect. X-Men is a good thing. I was also going to bring up uh, Katawa Shoujo similarly, but kind of like it's just a thing that's a part of life, and these girls are still like teenage girls trying to live their life, and I think that's kind of a cool thing about this show. <laughs> exactly. But I will say, All right. I will say, Terry Doty, as like hard a time as I kind of give it, because I thought it was a little bland and sort of like Terry Doty kind of like butch and not really cutesy she really does kind of grow into the part and she actually portrays some of like her iconic outbursts like the fluster nature the good girl attitude the kind of also you i guess you're a doulahan now because they'll have your head for this that scene i love me some good puns i love me some good Dumb well humor, played. as you all probably tell. And that was like when she's like, make some jokes about the fact that you are a dual hand to lighten up. And as soon as she said that, I was in love with this precious child. See, I honestly. My moment... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Zenith. Um, I honestly think the more Butch voice uh, worked for that character because. Uh, it, it's a n more normal sounding voice and it didn't need to be cutesy it it made the character more human when we're already sympathizing with this character so I think it fit really well I agree yeah it's just See, it was it was a hard transition for me at first my moment of kind of okay I can really get Terry on um, as as Kyoko is when she in the beginning of episode two when she's sitting with the teacher and she has her head in her hand and she does the ooh, and she moves the head around. Oh yes! Just the way, like, just how cute it was, just like ooh, and it was just like, you know what, Terry? I haven't really gotten to hear you be adorable as sin as a girl, and I really like it. And I, though, I will say my all-time favorite Terry Doty role will always be Kirata from Assassination Classroom because she plays herself. Um, but I really like how she has those little freakout moments. I don't know. Does she also do the the screams when the fire gets excited? I think she does, actually. And I really love those fire screams. I like that the fire <laughs> itself kind of has its own voice. It's like, she... And the body she, has oh, its own character. It's like, oh... And it's just like, when she gets really flustered, it's just... Oh, like I think What is it, Timmy? <laughs> what is it, Curl? Did Timmy fall in the well? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. But... I just love... I love the body as a character, too. Um, I just enjoy the fact that she also has the... His, and his arms are rocking thing. Oh, his arms are rocking. She, she has... Here's the thing. I think the fact... She has, like, that, some of the best lines in the show, though. And I really think that that's Terry what really gets helps her timing too. just as well. That's what really helped me warm up, is that she has some of the best material in this show to work with. And that really allowed her to grow into this when I really wasn't sold on her at first. So, you know what? Credit words too, Terry Doty. I was pleasantly surprised and glad to be proven wrong i know we said terry Doty needs to be casted in more things and this is a very surprising proof of that okay we all we all good mm -hmm. 
Please hug this poor child. She needs love. But not love love. Just <sighs> love. Okay. And the, anyways, let us move on to the other precious child. The glorious little troll, Hikari Takanashi. Hikari is a vampire and the other fraternal twin of Himari, as we mentioned earlier. And she is just bouncing off the wall with energy almost all of the time, eccentric, fun, easily flustered when getting to personal stuff. But she has a strong moral emotional center to her that shows a side of her that was very clear and present in episode four that really says a lot about this character. Now, who did we have for predictions? I had uh, Kristen McGuire, first of her name, because Kristen McGuire can play uh, bouncy, up, upbeat, and stuff. And I know she was Hinano in Assassination Classroom, and I want to see her get to kind of be a lead role for once. So I picked her, and then my other one was Don Bennett because Don Bennett has crazy range. Hmm. That's good choice. I had but one choice for Hikari. I figured it didn't have to be her, but this character is a glorious, wonderful troll. And referencing your particular favorite vampire series, I went with my other personal favorite glorious, wonderful troll of a child that is the love of my life, Shinoa Hiragi, otherwise voiced by Felicia Angio. Hmm. That's why. I just saw Shinoa as a as a glorious little troll, and this character's a glorious fall of troll, and Felicia Angel. Simple as that. That's really all I got. Troll, mm. be troll. All right. Well, as the resident troll, I would have... I would have a funny answer here, but since we've already used up the funny quotient for the episode, I would have thought Ashley Birch, that is to say Miss Jackie Ross, as her one of her pseudonyms. She's... Uh, she has a case of, she has a history of being able to do that high energy, uh, high, highly, what would you say? Not quite zany, but certainly bouncy sort of character. And I figured for a lot of the, uh, for a lot of the sudden comedic shifts that she pulled off, it would be quite well. I thought it would be nice to see her try and pull a dramatic role when she got the chance to do so. And, uh, yes, I chose Ashley Birch for this one. Okay. Okay, so, Zedif, we are running a little short on time. Possibly might go a little over, but what do you got? Um, I chose someone who is very, very fitting. Um, I thought of this from the very opening trailer. Uh, well, not, not trailer. It's from the very opening theme song of the show. Uh, it's a character who's very mischievous, very... Um, very scheming, but also has human side. Uh, so I picked the devil from The Devil is a Part-Timer. <laughs> Gosh, really? Yes. I'm in the group. Fuck it, he's done Kuranosuke. At this point, he can do anything. Especially well, we because were... that opening thing with the cape, like, reminds me so much of the, of the opening, uh, where they're playing and around the, with the cape in The Devil is a Part-Timer. <laughs> 
The opening is adorable in this show, but let us say that we were actually the voice of Hikari is Bryn April. Or April. Hmm. Not sure how you say that, actually. Other April. April. Thank you. Bryn April. Uh, she voices Kaede in Boy and the Beast, Ritsu in Assassination Classroom, Kotori Itsuka from Data Live, Sion. Cyan from Show by Rock. Cyan. Cyan, thank you, sorry. Krista Lenz from Attack on Titan and Attack on Titan Junior High. Hiori Iki from Noragami. And Gali from One Piece Film Z. That was the only named One Piece character I could find for her. So, before we go, I'll make mine quick. Fucking perfection. Mm-hmm. Nailed no. every single line on point. Uh, I mean, she's my favorite character, but the voice is simply perfect. Every she... single delivery, every single emotion, and she's quickly able to cycle through them um, from from her from her mischievous side to her panicking to her just like goofing off and and then her vulnerable side you see them like almost all in one scene at some point and she does it flawlessly she's she's got it all derpy spastic adorable adorkable a huge troll a ditz eccentric theatrical brash shy serious hardcore won't stand around be pushed for her shit she gets it all I would like to think that Bryn wasn't actually acting during the bathroom scene. She just um, became her. Hikari. No, to which, I was impressed. I'm to which I think the moment that would honestly sell me on Bryn as Hikari comes also in episode two. And it's this really tiny little, like, <laughs> kind of noise that she gives. And it's when she catches the teacher with... Kyoko's head, and she's giving her the coddle and the hug. Oh, I have that. And her face just goes from like straight to like, I'm gonna fucking tell everyone. And she runs to the window and goes, Hey, y'all! Guess who's got the best gossip? Oh, like, she's nailed it. I was like, That is a teenage girl. Brynn isn't that much old out of high school anyway. I think she's um, my age. <laughs> yeah, she actually, um,. I think she was still in high school when she was recording uh, Noragami. Like, I, <laughs> or she had just started out college when she did Noragami. I'm, Ow! I'm, tw- I'm 20 going on 21, so I think she's around my age, actually. She's, I think she's younger than you, actually. Oh, shit. Because I remember things, but I can't say them on recording. Anyways, people, yeah, no. people can tell uh, me if I'm I'm right sorry we don't have more to say about Bryn, but you were fucking perfect, girl. Like, I had some criticisms to say about some of these other people. I have nothing wrong with this one. This one is. It, it is simply. Out the bat. It is a. It is a stew of perfection. It is boiled and cooked and simmered, and in just the aroma wafts through the entire production. It is. It is wonderful. Ten. Ten out of ten. Would let hook up my fake fantasy date any day, and then not just drag me to 
What the fuck am I going with that? And, and then uh, poke them in the Ten out of ten would lead Dullahan Chan's body to bathroom again. Onwards, yes. Dullahan. The face her sister makes is like, what the fuck? Whatever. Just I will say this, though. Because of Hiyori and Noragami, I actually, thinking about it, I honestly thought she would have also made a good fix for her sister, Hiwari, because Hiyori can be very, like, mature and stuff. And the, but I think but, it's um, better that she got this one, because she could do yeah, both. Yeah, she's fucking perfect. A, she is. A, she apparently, is. If, you ask this, if you ask the staff, she it is just Hikari. Is. You are Hikari Takanashi, bar none. <laughs> Moving on to our final character of the night the wonderful super swole as shit rocking arms dork nerd scientist tetsuo takahashi tetsuo i was wondering if somebody was gonna God i will ma- i will go yes let's get on with it my prediction for this one i had two uh, Christopher Sabat, because macho manly manly person, is macho manly person manly. He fucking swole. And the other one was Ian Sinclair, because Ian Sinclair gets mixed up a lot with this particular character, Seiyu Junichi Suwabe. I was like, am I going to be the one to bring that up? Because I also did that as a joke prediction. Fuck. Y'all have learned. Anyways, uh, continue. Hmm. Uh, I had, like, a ton of predictions, but I'm only going to say, uh, the two that would actually fit this, uh, fit this the best. One of them being Alejandro Saab, because I've heard him play the more masculine e type characters, I just want to see him be serious. Uh, and then my other one was, uh, Dave Trosco. Hmm. Okay. My Apple man himself. I can see Dave Trosco. Uh, Dave Trosco, uh, he's played a dad. Kind of. I mean, his son was a demonic seraph spawn, and he was kind of the worst at ever. Fuck you, Gurren! Um, Gurren should not be with Shinya. The only thing that deserves to fuck Gurren is life. Quote and print that, motherfucker. Yeah, no offense. Shinya Haragi deserves better 2017. All right, Um. Zenith. You get your joke first. We gotta move this along. Well, I I had to choose the best-looking, uh... Swollest, whitest um, person Vin in the Diesel. room, and no, no, it's it's got to be Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Fuck. Fuck. I hate you. I hate you, Sneebs. I'm finishing my drink right now, and uh, I'm going for an unusual pick that isn't as well known. Randy E. Algabar. He's uh, only done a few things with with the company, but uh, his. I would have thought, for what roles he has been in, I know he was one of the uh, villains in Nanbaka. Alright. Now, the burly man actually voicing this particular character is none other than Chris George himself. Chris George is more of a more of a director at Funimation. He's actually currently directing another show related to monsters in Monster Hunter Stories right on, but he's also voiced characters such as Rikido Sato from My Hero Academia, Joseph from Diamond Dollar, and yes, that was one of the dick penguins, Ugo from (laughs) Jormungan, Fikor from Shakugan no Shana's 2 and 3, Sugimoto from Princess Jellyfish, and you might like this one, Zenith, 
Beppo from One Piece or Beppo. Don't know how you Beppo, say that. Beppo is best bear. Best bear. Beppo is best bear. He voices best bear. Wasn't he also the dad of the triplets in uh, Yuri on Ice? I think he was, actually. Takashi? Ooh, so sexy. Take me now. That's a good segue <laughs> to this particular conversation I know we're going to have, Megan. You go. Oh, boy. Let me get it out of the way now. I might have some things Phrasing. Too. Phrasing. Continue, Megan. Okay. Yeah. So, I get that despite his kind of dad bod, for lack of a better term, Takashi here, is it Takashi? God, God fuck, I can't say his name. Takashi here is supposed to be uh, kind of ripped and sexy to uh, Dullahan Chan and Succubus Chan. Um, yeah, here's the thing in the Japanese. Junichi Suabe is kind of a big fucking deal. Um, not only that, he's also known for playing characters who are notably very attractive. Like Warwick from Gangsta. Like Victor from Yuri on Ice. I can't believe I have to go this far back in my horrible, horrible life. I had a friend who was attracted to Grim to, to Grimjow from Bleach. Oh Grimjow, god, we're bringing Bleach hey, hey, with hey, this. Grimjow, I'm going to put Jack, a stop to that. Grimjow Jagajack is one of the most handsome figures next to Ulkiora. Ulkiora is the hottest, though. But here's the, and that's the thing, is that Grimgar... Gr I keep going We are running call over time, and we are talking about Bleach. This is the worst timeline. Oh, I love but, I this mean, timeline. He's Archer from Fate Stay Night. He is these characters that are usually... He's somebody from Udapri. He's Aumbine from Kurokos. He's all of these characters who are traditionally thought to be very, very attractive. And there is a joke in um, the show. Uh, he's also... Hey, Andrew, brace yourself. He's also life sexy in Yuri Kuma. <laughs> And J and J and Jiha from uh, uh, Yone of the Dawn, uh, and he's also Megan. <laughs> Megan, I cut. He's I also Juzo. Sorry. Anyway, I'm having my moment because I can't talk. I don't get to talk about I Say You enough. But my my thing is this: there are moments where the girls hear him say stuff, and it's supposed to like repeat in their mind, and it's supposed to come off as attractive. And while I do think that Chris George does a fantastic job in this show. I don't think the joke works because it's not a traditional... It doesn't translate one-to-one -one in the English as sexy, which I think the joke goes for. But then again, it doesn't always have to because the performance is really, really, really good. I Okay, I was that's what you're going to segue. Because I was going to make my defense about this particular direction for the character. Let's get the elephant out of the room right now, since I feel like Snapes has been wanting to bring this up. The thing I was afraid most about this show was it being harem-y. Which, because the, there's the thing of the teenage girl being into the teacher and the other teacher being into the teacher... None of the other girls are actually into the teacher, but he is... Well, he there asks, are hints he asks about questions. the vampire. There, there are he, hints of the vampire. I feel like that's more like just kind of like trying to hide like who she... What, what a point? Irrelevant. Point is, it's kind of like 
there's a sort of dubious undertone to this. And I feel like if you're trying to get sexy across, Junichi mm-hmm. Suwabe is sex in Japanese. But I feel that's... He also th- sings very, very well, uh, I will Thank you, say. thank you, thank you. Point is... I feel like some of the weakest stuff in this show is that sort of undertone, which I feel it's not terrible, but it is acknowledging that it's there is kind of like how you can appreciate the things that the show does good. And I feel like the thing that's I like about Chris George and I like about this character and this show is he is not a sex appeal figure. Like, I saw somebody say once, I'm not going to name a name, but they know who they are, that they would have been okay with this show if this was a teenage boy with these girls. And I disagree for a particular reason. No, that would have killed the show Because this show would have been about the girls finding a man to fix themselves. That is not what the show is. This is about a mentor... Helping them fit into the world today. Great teacher Onizuka. That's what this show is. Oh, well, I mean, in Great Teacher Onizuka, he actually wanted to fuck people. Anyways. But but the, he eventually the, learned. But this is this is it, like Great it, Teacher Onizuka without I really that. Got, I, I really got to cut this thing and get to my point. I'm sorry. It's just, I feel that's what Chris George cha- captures. Not that, like, sexy, like, a guy, but he captures the more teacher vibe the more macho kind of laid-back older older figure but he is a good inspiring figure to these A's girls and i think that's what i like what he loses in that sort of sexy gag he gains in being a more authoritative mentor guiding figure which i think actually is a really good direction for the dub mm-hmm. i i agree i i I never uh, heard the Japanese, so I, you know, I never really was thinking about uh, this sexy, sexy thing. I, I don't think it had to be like that. I think it works better him trying to help these people out, and he's much more of a fatherly figure. And the line delivery that he gives is is so much better with this direction. Um, I, I I loved it. And I thought it was I was thought it was kind of funny how sometimes kind of clueless he is of the things going on, and he's just like, "Oh, that's an interesting fact. You don't you 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 like tomato juice? Let me write that down." And he's like missing that this girl is trying to troll him, and I, I like think... that. Okay, so fellas, ladies, are we? What do you think? You think we're ready to wrap this? little research project yeah up. yo yo okay. yo let's wrap this up wrap 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 Our, wrap i know we're over time already and i do sincerely apologize for that but i will make my thoughts on this series quick i won't deny that there is dubious layers in the intentions and that it is not a perfect show or a perfect thing but but i feel this is a show that feels genuinely sincere and good nature. This is like a show about people who are different, but not so different. Because, like, it's not just that they're special and different because they're monsters, and it's not that there isn't something that makes them just completely human. They are both, and they they are both at once. They are their own person, but they are also what they were born to be. And I think the fact that these people 
can and will adapt to society and that this person that really believes in them wants to understand them will go this extra mile to do that is really inspiring and interesting and i do think a lot of the actors and the dub performance and even the script like translates most of it pretty well there's a couple of gripes i have about the obvious we went on the whole tirade about the social justice thing but i feel like a lot of the script and the context for some of the script changes work and i think it's just a very sweet cute show and it's pleasant hmm i'd have to agree i found it was fundamentally a charming little exercise that while laid down by some of its unfortunate comedic baggage of the uh, of that particularly unsavory Japanese vein fundamentally it's a show about disability and how people live with it in all of the wonderful and strange ways that that entails it gets the Sneeb's recommendation which is not something I would have expected to say about something of this ilk that is high praise indeed. It is it it reminds me a lot of Shonen Made in that same regard where I went into it expecting to hate it, um, but was very pleasantly surprised at how much depth was there. This is a show that has a lot of heart and a lot of intelligence behind it. And while there are some risque moments and that's mostly played for humor. And it's never really got squicky for me, and it never distracted from the show like Fairy Tale does. So, uh, in general, I give this uh, a thumbs up. Uh, it's it's not high art, but mm -hmm. it does a fantastic job of entertaining, and that's what it needed to be. And uh, um, I I really enjoyed it. It so gets far. one and a half out of two rocking arms by me. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. I think... Megan still has to say uh, her <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, let me say my fucking sorry, piece. Y'all, sorry, this has gone on long enough. Uh, no, I agree with a lot of the sentiment that was said, and as somebody who is a bit wary of the monster girl genre because it is a little... It is kind of fetishy, I like that this show was able to be sweet and very... and talk about things that made it very approachable with a show that had a very likable cast and a dub that is very easy to sit and listen to in Marathon, uh, while being very funny and charming still for viewers. I feel like this is a show that you can show people who aren't super into anime, but want to be into it more, and you won't super weird them out. Is there some stupid fan service stuff like the heat radar on Kyoko's breast? Oh god, yeah, that was weird. Hikari touching her nipples for no reason yeah but okay that one i thought it can was be funny. overlooked for moment it can be overlooked for really charming moments like the backpack thing or hikari calling out bullies and for that i give monster girls honestly probably one of the most solid dubs of the winter season so far that is actually yeah i think we all wrap this up i can't speak for things like tanya which I've been told is very solid, or the rage-inducing... I have a friend of mine who says the rage-inducing Masamune-kun's really good. Um, I think that but, friend is me. That friend is me. But anyway... That's a good dub, anyway, by the way. I, I just don't like I, I think it's a great, a great series. God damn it, Drew! Ah! Oh, kick his ass! What? Sorry, Love go on. <gasps> but anyway... Okay. Um, 
it's, and with that, it, it's it's no Nozaki Kun, but it's pretty close in terms of dub. Okay, okay, yeah. And with that, we will call this uh, due. Uh, if you want to go ahead and watch interview with Monster Girls, uh, if you want to watch it dubbed, you can go ahead over to Funimation now, try out a 14-day free trial subscription. Or if you want to watch the subtitled version as well, you can also go ahead and watch it on Crunchyroll, free or with a premium trial. Now, where can everybody find you fine, fellows? You can find me yelling at my friend Drew on Twitter at QueenEra2. Uh, you can also follow me at Anime America Podcast. God damn it, Drew, you little shitlord. Surprisingly, it's not me this time. You may know me from the wonderful bounties that is dubbed up, or you can follow me on Twitter, at Uncle Azrael. I'm sure we'll have a good time. You might even manage to get through a single conversation with me without me making a dirty joke. Toffer Unlikely. Um, and uh, you can find uh, my... Dulcet Tones on youtube.com slash zenith will review or you can just search for history of one piece that's where most people uh tend to locate me but i'm also usually uh, a special guest on dub talk every you know few episodes or so and uh you can look up my twitter account at zenith will rule and uh i i talk about the stuff that i'm going to be uh reviewing in the future there so Look that and, up. And my name is Andrew, otherwise known as Classy Spartan. You can find me on Twitter at Mangaman9000. I probably hear... I'm mostly just doing this. This is a really fun experience. And honestly, hosting this episode for the very first time was really exciting. A very fascinating experiment. Really interesting to do. I love you crazy motherfuckers. Holy shit, we actually did this. And you can see me lurking on the Funimation forums as well, basically being a sub-moderator to a bunch of people and answering questions. And with that, I think we can officially call this night. Bye, everyone. All right. uh, To close us out, he came in like a wrecking ball. No, 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 no. We are not ending this like that. We will end this... The proper way. <clears throat> Otaku on, my friends. And his arms are so rocking! <laughs> Good night, everybody.